Hi guys, welcome back to VIV. And this panel will be focusing on parents in animation. And as I'm not a parent, we've got a special guest um, hosting this panel and that's Steph Lee. So hi Steph. And can we just get a small introduction as well as why this panel is important and a conversation to have? Okay, so my name's Steph Lee. Um, I run Kino Bino Animation Studio with my husband. We're based in Leicester and we do 2D animation. Um, I have two stepkids um, and this is kind of why I was interested in getting involved in the panel. So for me, I was kind of thrown into life with kids and it was a bit of a shock. Um, and being in the job I'm in, being self-employed and with work being my passion, I was really interested to find out how do you balance like work and family life especially when when children are small um so yeah I started asking a lot of these questions at business startup groups but I wasn't really getting um much information from it apart from just do it <laughs> um and I know there's a lot of other people who have the same types of questions so I thought the best thing to do would be to talk to people who are actually working directly in the industry who are freelancing who are employed in studios and just learn a bit more about their experiences. And um, let's start the discussion. Hi, everyone. <laughs> okay, so I guess let's just do the intros first and then I'll um, get straight into the questions. Um, okay, so uh, Jim, you can go first. Oh, hi. Um Yes, so I'm Jim Lefebvre. Um, I'm an animation director and um, I studied animation back in 97 at Edinburgh, graduated, did a bit of time at the National Film School and then joined Nexus Productions, which was a very small company at the time and kind of spent about nearly 20 years there directing commercials. Um, and um, uh, I've got a, a, an 11-year-old daughter, Iris, um, and uh, with my partner my wife Bex um, and over the last kind of sort of 20 years we've been doing like I say commercials um, experimenting with kind of moving image um, but also uh, teaching at art colleges as well so um, that's pretty much me. Okay thank you Rachel. Hi um, my name is Rachel Thorne uh, I've been working uh, in the animation industry since I graduated in 2008 so it's been about 13 years or so. Um, at the beginning, I started off doing kind of runner jobs, animation assistant, and then working my way up as animator lead. And I'm currently working and have been for about six years as an animation director on various uh, series productions here in London, including Sarah and Duck, Mr. Bean, and currently um, <clears throat> I'm at Simon's Cat. Um, just over two years ago, my partner gave birth to a little girl. Uh, so we're a family of three and uh, we're both uh, working full-time at the moment. Hey, great. Uh, Robert? Hi, um, I'm Robert Nelson, and I'm a uh, storyboard artist currently at Blue Zoo. I studied uh, animation production and graduated in 2008 as well at the Arts Institute, I think it was called at the time, in Bournemouth. And uh, since then, done a TV feature, both studio and freelance. And I also am a visiting lecturer 
um, part-time at the University of Hertfordshire. I have a 17-month-old bouncing baby girl who loves to scream and run around. Okay, uh, Marcy? Hi, uh, my name is Marcia Rojas. I um, study design in Chile. And when I graduated, I couldn't find a job. So I studied an apprenticeship in a little animation studio there. And I moved to the UK and I started working. Well, I, I, I met Joanna and Les. And I started working in their studio as um, at doing maths and just all the way up, really. And um, well, I've been working animation for about almost 20 years, maybe. So yeah, I, I just stayed. And I am a mom of two, a mom by adoption. My son is five and my daughter is three. And um, I've been mainly working for Joanna Glass in there, in, in Barrett Productions and also doing freelance work um, for mainly series, I think, here in Wales. So I think that does it. Thank you. Okay, uh, Evgenia and Miles. Hello, my name is Evgenia Golubeva and I'm currently at Blue Zoo directing a new TV show for YouTube Originals called Million Lou. Uh, I'm also a writer, so I write for Kids TV, and I've been in the industry for about last more than 10 years now. Uh, my name is Miles McLeod. Uh, I, I work with Evgenia and also my brother Greg as part of the Brothers McLeod. Uh, I've been working as a writer uh, for other people for about 15 years, and at the moment I'm head writing uh, Circle Square, which will be on Milkshake later this year. And, uh, and we have a daughter who is six year old. Six year old. <laughs> we have a six year old daughter, and um, and two dogs. Yeah. <laughs> That's very busy here. And we're working full time, both of us. Okay, thanks. And Emma. Hi, I'm Emma Fernando. Um, I'm an animation producer. Uh, talked my way into the BBC when I was eighteen. So I've been in the industry for twenty years now. Um, and worked on lots of really cool projects, jumped between working for independent companies and working at broadcasters. Um, and I'm currently working with the team behind uh, The Amazing World of Gumball. I uh, was producer on there, the two new shows that have come out of that studio. Um, so very busy. And I have two children. I have a nine-year-old son and a two-year-old daughter. Hey, great, thank you. Um, okay, so I'm just gonna go straight in. So yeah, there, there are some known issues that new parents and particularly mothers face um, across all industries when they wanna take time out to have children. Um, and since a lot of us working animation are freelance, perhaps some of the um, maternity and paternity benefits aren't available to us. So uh, what's your experience in taking time out to have a baby and become a parent? Who wants to go first? Again, yeah? Um, yeah, so when our daughter was born six years ago, um, uh, I guess being freelance is um, 
useful in one way because at the time I was writing and um, actually I could fit it around uh, childcare uh, and I didn't stop working straight away. I kept working for a while because when she was little, she slept a lot. We were quite lucky. She slept until she was like six months old and then she started teasing and then we both went slightly <laughs> insane from sleep deprivation. But before it happened, we managed to work around um, and we would swap as well. Uh, we'd make sure that we do like 50-50 parenting. So we make sure that it's not my job or Mouse's job, it's our job to make sure we can look after her. But yeah, it was quite. Yeah, I think I was working on about five different shows writing when it before she was born, and I think I wasn't able to continue that intensity afterwards. It's fair enough to say. Yeah, but I guess because we don't work like set hours, it was useful because we could work like two hours in the evening, two hours in the morning, and then swap again. Like I would take her for a walk, Mas could work, and then swap again. He can, um, I can work. He can take her for a walk. So it's kind of worked out fine because. Um, in the beginning anyway and um and i suffered from postnatal depression uh and uh, so it's quite it was quite tricky for me and um actually uh, making sure that we both parent in an equal way helped me out of it because then i realized that there wasn't as much pressure on me as a mother to perform to work and uh, look after the child but because we shared actually it's helped me out of it and we found a balance that worked for our family Robert? So um, I had to rely very heavily on my co-parent for the first six months. Um, tried to do the best that I could, but I was actually working two jobs. And I was, it was right before the pandemic, so I was commuting to lecture at the university in the daytime. And I, I remember I used to ride a motorcycle, so there was a certain amount of like risk involved in not getting enough sleep. So that became really tricky initially, where like I was I sort of had to, at 2 a.m., I'd do my best up to 2 a.m. and I'd have to make sure I got enough sleep to be able to ride safely the next day. Um, and I was also freelancing and storyboarding at the time. So that became a massive juggle. But I, it was, I think for me, it was quite a unique experience because by the time the baby was about two months old, the pandemic happened and we all kind of went into lockdown. So it became a very unique situation where suddenly I was now lecturing and storyboarding from home. So we were able to kind of develop a much more flexible way of taking care of her whereby I was like, oh, well, since I don't have to ride a motorcycle in the morning, I can, I can, I can record my lectures at three o'clock in the morning or whatever and just go give her a bottle, come back and mark some work and stuff. So it was, I think in my unique situation, that's what happened that effectively saved us because there's no way I could have managed it any other way. And eventually I realized it's just stick to one job, like, until she's a bit older, just stick to one job. Um, but it's it's been great. I've sort of like adjusted to having a, a new kind of work-life balance and truly amazing how much time I had before having a child that I completely didn't realize. I was like, wow, I was I was swimming in free time and somehow managed to fill it with absolute nonsense. Okay, uh, Marcy? Oh, hi. Um, my experience may have been a little bit different because uh, when our son arrived, I was working in a studio um, as a PAYA, I think it's called. So I had a contract, basically. And when you adopt, you, have, uh, you can have adoption leave if you're under a contract of those uh, characteristics. So I was lucky enough because I think... 
it was you had to have a minimum of 26 week 26 weeks working in a studio with a contract as payway for you to have adoption leave so i think i hit week 28 or something like that it was a, like a lucky streak and there's no such thing as um as adoption leave for freelancers i think there is adoption leave for freelancers sorry maternity leave for freelancers but there is no such thing as adoption leave for freelancers so um i was lucky in that and that helped us a lot because that money at the time uh, meant that we were able to take some more time off and uh and i don't know to, um, it was it, as as eugenia said uh it's a rock it rocks your world so i don't know it's because we are freelancers and work in animation and we're used to just work uh and and be connected to people all the time and several jobs happening at the same time and all that and then suddenly you're focused in one child and for my, for me and, and then work is like i can't work at the time so for me it was a massive shock to a system and i got uh post-adoption depression as well and I that was really that was so annoying because it kind of interfered with the attachment I was forming with my son so luckily I just uh, I had a, I had depression before and I knew no I, I know myself I need to ask for help so I went to my doctor and he was fabulous he's the most amazing doctor and he said say no more I know this. My wife and I have three children, and she had uh, um, she had postnatal depression three times. Don't worry, I got you, and I I got treatment, and oh, everything was so much better. So if you feel like uh, you can't deal, please go to your doctor and ask for help. And then with my daughter, that came about three no, how about two years later. Uh, I wasn't on, under a contract at the time. So that time I couldn't have adoption leave at all. So we had we knew this already. So we had saved up money as much as we could. So we could take time off and and concentrate on, on the family, really. And this was right before the well, it was about a year or a year and a half before lockdown. And now that well, on the flip side of lockdown, now we, we the time we have is much more flexible and you know, go around childcare. We have we have um um a childminder just around the corner. Childminders are the best. And that means that we can go walking, pick them up and come back and, and we have more of a system now. But yeah, at the time it was quite scary and and if we could do something to to improve the maternity leaves and adoption leaves, that would be fantastic for the industry. So yeah. <laughs> Great, thanks. Does anyone else have anything to add, Jim? I'm um, my my experience. I I'm really lucky to be to for my partner to actually have a a, a proper job. Um, she she runs a or she helps run an independent bookshop up in London, and so when we had our child, she had the benefit of quite a structured maternity leave. Um, so it allowed me to. I took. I was right in the middle of a, a big directing job at the time, but um, Nexus really, really supportive, and and I had a, a couple of weeks at least of of you know just adjusting to this massive change in the world. But um, 
so for the first part of our sort of our lives as parents um bex was was very much kind of home based but um uh what's been really lucky for me is that both bex and i have been able to swap round our roles as money earner or home runner um through our lives and actually it was useful for me for a job to finish um a directing job to finish um and uh, that was about 6 or 7 months into into Iris being born and for for Bex to be able to kind of grasp her normality again so i kind of took a back foot on on my work um and yeah it's it's an interesting thing of of like like i guess you going you were saying about or um about freelance being really useful as well um but um but as i say i'm really lucky to have a, a supportive partner who has some structural financial kind of security in some respects um that's that's my world um rachel yeah hi um yeah similar to jim my partner has a, got a normal job <laughs> so she took um she had a structured kind of maternity leave um and she she decided to take a, a 12 month leave as well so quite a long one and i was employed i was i've been at samscap for 3 years or so now so i was employed um when she gave birth and so i was uh, eligible for the statutory maternity leave uh, pay um which is a lot of money but it all helps in that first year especially when you get a reduced income my my partner got reduced income when she was on maternity so she got a bit more at the beginning and then it went on to the kind of the government uh, amount which uh, so yeah any bits of savings we had um kind of got used up in that time but it was all obviously all worth it um so yeah i got that um two weeks maternity uh, paternity leave i should say um which was great uh and it also felt like being employed I felt that I had a bit of security at the time. I don't know if that really is the case because even if I was freelancing I would have a contract but somewhere in my mind I felt that I don't know having an employment status gave me a bit more security in that situation. Um and in fact I was looking through my paperwork the other day and I noticed that if I had been working at the company for 2 years when she was born I would have got 90% of my pay which would have been a great benefit but I didn't qualify for that at the time. But yeah, thinking back to a couple of years ago, I remember it being quite an intense time. Obviously, for everybody, it is. You lose a lot of sleep, and going back to work um, was quite tricky to begin with, just from lack of sleep and just wanting to be home as well and helping and wanting to support. Um, so I, I'd always been quite focused on my work and, in, and kind of wanted to do a good job, and often. staying that little bit later to get a bit more done and sometimes having to stay a lot later to get things done um but not anymore i mean i left 6 bang on to get home and help and um yeah and i wouldn't have missed that for the world yeah so that was that's kind of my experience um robert started ads and so mentioned um My co-parent also works in animation, but she happened to be working for Lloyd's Bank at the time. They opened up an animation department for internal sort of stuff, and their sort of maternity leave program was incredible. So she got full maternity leave. Uh, she got eighty-five percent of her pay. A little bit like Rachel, if she'd been there for two more months. or even something like two more weeks you would have uh, had even more time off and stuff that would have been fully paid but that was obviously meant that she, 
she could shoulder a larger amount of the, the responsibility of co-parenting, though she did go through some postnatal stuff herself where I just had to just had to take the time off work and, and sort of step in. Um, that helped a great deal because I didn't have any sort of resources to to have uh, time off for uh, paternity leave, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's really interesting about paternity because I think if you're self-employed, like you really don't, there's not a very large allowance, right? <laughs> uh, Rachel? Yeah, I don't even think there is an allowance if you're freelancing for paternity. I don't think okay. it exists only for maternity because I, I did a bit of research before. So, uh, yeah, that is definitely something that should be looked at. I would say. Yeah, I was just wondering, actually, uh, about taking that time out. Um, do you think it's impacted like your career progression in any way? Emma? Um, I think this is a very tricky question. Um, I think it but depends. I think you have to, uh, it depends where you work and what sort of role you have, but I think it definitely does. Um, and I think just by the nature of having not only some time out, but also, as Rachel was saying, you know, having to, maybe you've gone from working till 10 p.m. to get stuff done to having to leave at six. And that's quite a shift in the studio, I think, if everybody's working till 10 and then you have to leave at six and suddenly you're the one getting up and going, no, I, I really have to go. Um, and I think that that can, by the nature of you changing the way you work, can have an impact for sure. Um, and I, my personal experience is that I... I don't feel like that in my job um, which is nice for me but I'm aware that that's not the case for everybody and I think that I have always been quite non-apologetic for being a mother um, and I'm also like super open about it when I take a job and I say look this is what I need and because you're good at your job and you give it a hundred percent you give it a hundred percent within those hours and you're you know I like to think that you, you're treated like an adult and you can get on with what you need to and I think that seems to be a contagious way of working in places that I've worked um, and when I first started on Gumball um, for Cartoon Network I was the first person on the whole crew to have a child um, nobody else had kids so I was interviewed for the job and I remember thinking I'm never going to get this job because I'm going to have to leave early and at the time my husband was my husband's a plumber so my husband was working and I was, there was like one train an hour that you had to get to be able to get back in time for nursery. And if I wasn't back in time for nursery, it's like 20 pounds for every 15 minutes or something mad. Um, so I was regularly seen shouting at people on the train to move down so that I could actually get on the train to get back for nursery. Um, but I had the conversation with uh, Sarah Fell, who was the producer at the time, and said, like, I'd love to do this job, but I'm going to need this flexibility. She's like, yeah, fine. Of course, no problem. So we worked out something that worked really well for me, and I was super happy at that job. Um, and it just meant that I could, I felt very fulfilled because I was doing the job in the hours that I said, and then I felt fine getting up from my chair at 4 PM to get this one train to get to nursery. So I think, um, yeah, being very upfront about what you need and 
how that's going to work for you makes it much easier because negotiating that later in a job is always much more difficult. Um, and so, yeah, I think being non-apologetic for being a parent of like, I have a little human that needs me and, you know, needs to be fed is uh, an important message to employers for sure. Jim? Um, no, I, I, I think that's such an interesting point that Emma has said, which is actually, um, you know, I, I, whether or not it's a freelance thing or working within a company um, like Nexus um, or wherever, we're actually, we push, we all push ourselves to beyond ridiculous hours of leaving at nine, 10 in the evening because we love it because um, we're really lucky doing what we're doing. But actually, in reality, um, what's what I found really useful about parenthood is saying, no, um, actually, I've got this thing which needs a lot of attention, which I just want to be with. Um, and and actually, I am going to leave at five. And it's not, like Emma was saying, it's just actually useful to be able to say that is how it works. I guess the difference with someone in my position was that I had a position. It wasn't a case of going into a new job, which I can imagine must feel quite um, terrifying um, when you when you feel like you have to say something like, I have a child, um, which is ridiculous that you have to say that. But, um, but it is about the world adjusting to something which is utterly normal and, and actually really helps life, where you manage your life in a more controlled way. Uh, Rachel? Yeah, I would just agree with um, uh, Jim and Emma there that there is very much, it seems, a culture of over, over time in uh, animation. And I think it's a good thing to have people with families, you know, working in this industry because you're employed to do your hours. And, and that's, that's good if you should be doing just your hours and kind of, and it does force you to be more efficient. And um, I've noticed when you're tired, obviously you make more mistakes and um, you over, tend to overwork things sometimes as well. And I think it's it's good for everybody to be kind of happier in their jobs, to be not wearing themselves out and doing your normal hours like you know other industries do. Um, as in terms of knowing if um, if it's affected my career prospects, it's hard to say because I've been in the same job since uh, having a baby but when I think back to maybe previous productions I've worked on when the hours my demand on my time was a lot more I think I think perhaps if going from moving on to another job maybe it would maybe people have seen though she can't put as much time into the job as before perhaps she can't progress to the next level at this point or uh, yeah but it's, it's difficult to say um without actually having experienced it, if it would have affected my uh, career. But perhaps I would say it's hard to know for, in my, from my experience. Yeah. Uh, um, when our daughter was born, my career only was beginning. So it was it's kind of, uh, because I moved from Russia to UK and obviously needed to basically start again because I didn't have the same connections that I had in Russia. I didn't have the same, I didn't go to universities that recognized here. So I struggled to get into industry. And exactly when she was born, it was like quite sensitive moment for my career because I was just about getting my first writing gigs and 
Um, and and I think also I did lots of networking before she was born and I made sure that I continued doing networking because I was building my career. So it was a very important part of it. So uh, we did go to festivals and we did take her with us. Uh, we went to Annecy Film Festival. We went to Cardiff Animation Festival. We went to, uh, across lots of places. And, and actually it was fine. We kind of made it work and we took turns going to like um, networking events or like parties and or even take her with us and she was fine just bouncing there she was like about two years old. yeah we we did try to uh just you know kind of include her in rather than say uh, you know leave her behind but you know because if we're going to like a place like annecy we felt like we could uh you know enjoy that as a family i mean i, I will say from my perspective in terms of like did your career progress i, I think i found it very difficult to be as creative for about three years after she was born. And I think a lot of that's to do with sleep deprivation. I think it is hard, especially when you're trying to work out, you know, stories and things like that. It's, I found it a lot harder for those three years. I think, you know, so in a sense, maybe I was treading water for those three years rather than being able to progress uh, because because it was, yeah. So, I mean, especially on the teething. Yeah, so, we were unlucky well, because she was sitting until she was like one yeah. and a half it went on and on and on. So. Yeah, my, my niece's teeth came out in three months. Uh, Audrey spent 18 months coming out, like one at a time. It was just, <laughs> uh, yeah, that was difficult. Yeah, and uh, I am, uh, so at the time I didn't have much work on, I had like one odd project, two odd project, and I, I made a short film. Uh, I'm not a mouse that um, uh, I worked on it like when, whenever I could really just, I, I kind of... Um, I animated it all myself, designed it myself, and my friend Tom Angel did some music for it. And um, my goal was just to keep like to keep it small. It's, it's only two minutes long, and I just wanted to get into directing in the UK as well. And actually, this film went to festivals, got lots of awards. It's like, and it's funny how like two minute film can change your life, literally. <laughs> Made by sleep deprived me. So it's, and it's true, you kind of, um, I guess you, you, you're much more focused because when you have this two hours, three hours you've got, you really work. Like you, you don't procrastinate, there is no time. You just literally sit down and do it because there is no other <laughs> choice. That's great. Um, Robert, did you have something to say? No? Okay, Emma? Oh. <laughs> uh, I just have to congratulate you on the sleep deprived short film because I can't even <laughs> the cake in those times you know go to somebody else's mum's their mums who've baked cakes I'm like how have you done this I've no idea um and yeah I mean I would just say that overall it's great that we're talking about this because there you know you should go to festivals and include your children we make children's tv so it's you know sort of the audience and what we do um and it you know it's absolutely they shouldn't be hidden in the background you know it's just what i think covid has brought for me particularly is again i work with a team who predominantly most of the most of the team i have don't have children um and my kids will run in into this room and I'm working and they're very much um, involved in my job really in the you know when I'm home I was homeschooling my nine-year-old for for you know months and months and months and and he was involved in in coming in the room and what was really nice was the team 
at Cartoon Network totally took um, them under their wing. And when all of this happened in homeschooling, um, he was invited to um, do like workshops. They did workshops for the kids and all sorts of different things, um, which, you know, to my son is a huge um, a huge thing to be able to sit and draw with somebody who draws for Cartoon Network or so you know it's I think the more we talk about it the more everybody sees a responsibility in those kids that are part of our lives and part of our our circle of of not only getting our job done but our creativity and our you know our mindset so hopefully COVID has brought that also to uh, many other people's households because it's definitely um, helped with me for sure. I just wanted to just to dip in as well. Um, yeah, you, 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 yeah, that, that's absolutely just the best way is um, bringing your children into uh, you know the the industry that we work in, and it's so inspiring for people that don't have children to see that actually they are not hidden away; they're part of our lives. I had the real pleasure to work with an Italian production company called H Films and Stella Rossini, who runs that. It's a, it's a very women's-based kind of run production company. And all of the children were in there at various points. There was, there was such a wonderful normality to, and it, it, it makes people less afraid of parenthood and the responsibilities. And for everybody to really understand, you know, how tough, but also how kind of simple and joyful uh, that part of the life is. Um, yeah, it's really inspiring to see people, you know, bringing children into the industry there. Okay, um, I think I'm going to have to move on. So, uh, yeah, the next question kind of was about balancing your work and childcare. Um, and I think you've kind of answered some of it already, but yeah. It's quite interesting, actually, to hear the difference between freelance working and, and those of you who've been working in studios. And I guess this question is kind of more relevant to pre-pandemic, but like about how do you kind of balance that childcare, like Emma said, about having to ask to leave early and stuff like that. So, yeah, I don't know if anyone has anything else to add on that. Um, Evgenia? Yeah, um, pre-pandemic, uh, it was quite, um, I guess our, um, uh, we don't have grandparents here, but because obviously my mom and dad, they live in St. Petersburg in Russia and uh, my parents are uh, elderly, so they would struggle to help us. But um, the thing is like, we created, we kind of, we have lots of friends who help us. Like we have a big support network. I think I would definitely stress it out for people who are about to have children or thinking about it. it's so important to have help. And even if it's not part of your family, we, we, we are truly blessed with such an amazing people surrounding us, helping us being able to babysit on the last minute we go to festival they come and look after our daughter for three four days it's amazing it's like it's so helpful when when our daughter was born i was so worried that we won't i won't have i will miss out on all this help from my mom but actually all our friends they were truly helpful and it's so important to be able to ask for help and um, and get it and and obviously yeah like in childcare, we use like after school clubs and Again, I guess it's just about making it all work. Uh, at some point, our daughter was going to nursery like five days a week because we were really busy with work. But when the work dried out, we actually took her out of nursery for a little bit so we could spend time together. So I guess in this sense, freelance helps because you can then balance seeing what's happening. And usually like I'm very busy and then mouse is not very busy. Or, yeah. Or... yeah, vice versa, yeah. So yeah, no, and we were, we were very lucky that because we were in a, in a 
a relatively small town, and we but we still have like the theatre here in Stratford. There's a really great nursery here as well, which is actually very kind of creative uh, led nursery. So that was um, that was great from our perspective too. And she went to nursery when she was six months old again. So we kind of that was for a day, yeah, just a day, for the, like for the first six months. And actually, they said to us that 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 was a better age than ten months when they're starting to when they get a lot more tears and, and things because at that age they're forming an attachment. So, so we never actually had any any kind of tears going to nursery with Audrey because it just became part of her life from six months, just a day, and then as the older she got, she went for like two days or three days. And then, yeah, when we were super busy together at one point, we needed to use it a bit more. And then, yeah, so it was good, good to have that flexibility as well, though it's obviously expensive. Um, yeah, definitely. But I guess you're buying your, you're buying your career, basically, don't you? I mean, like, because you invest this money into childcare. And as a result, Audrey is a very self-confident person because she loves being around people. She's so very sociable. She found lockdown very hard because she loves seeing other people apart from me in math. <laughs> and, um, yeah. Okay, that's great. Uh, Robert? Um, there's sort of this kind of touches on both the previous question and the current question, but um, my my baby girl had to start going to nursery as well from six months because both her mom and I work in animation. We had to go back to full-time work. And nursery said the same thing. She hadn't uh, got to the attachment period yet, so she actually could adjust, but she went straight. I mean, apart from the adjustment week, straight to five days a week. And this where this ties into the next question about uh, the positive of, of children while working in the animation industry. It really forced me because before, like as a storyboard artist, without a child, if a scene went wrong, you know, you did extra hours, you redid it, you worked overtime, you did what you had to do to, to try to do the best work you could possibly do. And then it very much became the best work I could do given the amount of time. And this is where studios and even in freelance, but your colleagues helps a lot because um, I was, I lost the fear of asking for help. But prior to that, I would always be so afraid that I'd be, you know, I'd be discovered as the fraud that I am as a storyboard artist. And people would know that I was no good because this one scene or this one sequence was terrible. Um, and it got to a point where it's like, no, you can't do that because my hours are now dictated by this small person who goes, oh, no, no, it's clock out time. Like, I'm, I'm, you have to pick me up at nursery at 5.30 and you've got to feed me and you've got to change me. And she's got no mercy. Like, she, will, she wants her books read to her, all 12 of them, um, every time before bed. And then, in, you know, I, you, I think to myself, okay, you know what, I can get a couple more hours of work in at nighttime. But then you, there's a hard stop where it's like, at this point, if I don't go to sleep, she's not going to give me a lie in, in the morning. She's not going to be like, oh, daddy had a rough night. I'm going to let him sleep an extra half an hour. No, anywhere between 1 and 5 a.m., the baby party starts and there's nothing you can do. She might scream. So it really forces you to, one thing, actually be really focused with your work when you're working you are working you're not working and like sort of like watching youtube and sort of lingering and the very what i would call the very ethereal uh, ephemeral like artistic process of i'm gonna find inspiration you get it done because afterwards you gotta look after this little person and but on the flip side of it she also helped me not to take life so seriously because every job had this like 
idea that this is my make or break. If the sequence is bad, I'm never going to get another storyboarding position again. Everyone's going to know I'm a fraud. And then this little person just kind of like, I don't know. The other day, the thing she was just eating, she, she found a coffee bean and just started munching on it. And I freaked out because I was like, oh my God, uh, is it poisonous? Because I'm Googling furiously. Like, is it poisonous to children? Um, no, no, she's fine. Okay, is she going to be hyper? Is she supposed to have an afternoon nap? And everything to do with storyboarding and animation and career and it just out the window. Like, and then you stop afterwards and you just laugh with them. You know, you just kind of remember also a little bit like why you started to do animation in the first place because of these little stories because you get so caught up in finding an idea finding an idea finding an idea and once you have a kid ideas start to find you because they just create these opportunities for pure comedy things that you probably never would have thought of or even ever would have thought were funny but they just sort of they materialize and you remember oh yeah i kind of remember being a kid and not taking everything so seriously all the time Oh, that's great. Um, I think Marcy is next. Oh, yeah. Um, with the childcare, I remember negotiating my contract around the fact that at the nursery shut at six, that the nursery was close to the studio. So within walking distance, I could go pick my, pick my baby and then go back home. So I had to negotiate the contract to shift down half an hour. So I would start, I would start half an hour earlier than everybody. And then get up and go at 5.30. And um, I remember it, it wasn't too bad, uh, but I remember having looks like, oh, there she goes again. And um, I had to go. It was like unapologetic again, like uh, Emma said, you have to go. And it's like, I cannot do any other overtime. My contract says from this, from this point to this other point. And then I remember, I don't know, if it was a Christmas concert, I remember like, oh my goodness, how am I going to do this? I need to ask for a longer lunch break or I could work through lunch uh, tomorrow. Or Yeah, I remember that. It was a little bit uh, touch and go, really. That was with a studio that had two, two men at the head of it. I don't know if this makes a difference, to be honest, but maybe it does. And when I uh, was working for Joanna in Burial Studios, uh, uh, I had my daughter at the time and then I had same kind of things around it and at the time it was uh, oh I can't go today my daughter needs to go to the doctor I need to take her and I, I remember being very worked up about it and uh, and Joe was wonderful about it and for her it was like yes, of course you need to take your daughter to the doctor don't worry about it and I remember that sense of there is somebody that understands me. That's fantastic. And of course, then you would take uh, work home and say, OK, I'm going to make up for the time I lost. And yeah, we never had a problem with that. So that was that was really good. And also, if the studios could provide childcare, that would be for me. It would be it would be amazing. I don't think I've ever heard of a studio providing childcare, even though uh, it's something like it needs to be bigger than how many people then they they might offer you childcare or, or something i remember even asking for uh the kitty vouchers which was uh some sort of government benefit that they could pay you part of your salary in these vouchers so you could pay the nursery and then the the tax um that wouldn't affect your 
your um, your taxes or something like that. It was a system like that. And I remember asking to HR at the time, and they said, yes, of course, we're going to look into it. And never they never did. And I remember that sticking into so you never did, and they would have been so grateful. But yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know if uh, um, they think about these things because it's it's a life changer for us. And my husband is an editor, and he also works in television, and he asks as well. And I don't know the the, the whole um, industry. I don't know if they kind of think of us very much, but well, there's something I would love to to for them to to talk about more about these things okay uh rachel uh yeah um i would agree that it's very it's been very useful for me to be working with people who also have kids because they understand the need to do nursery pickup pickups and drop-offs and they understand that you know appointments come up and when your child is sick there's nothing you do, can do you have to be with your child you can't just leave your child on your own on its own and to be sick so yeah obviously there's there's greater demands on, on parents and it's good to be working with people who've also got kids so that that's been really helpful and allowed me to be <clears throat> excuse me flexible with my time as well um so when my my partner finished her maternity leave she went back to work full-time so our daughter went to nursery five days a week and this was in February 2020 so just before the pandemic so we had maybe six weeks of doing this routine which was pretty hard which was my partner going off and doing drop-offs at the nursery then going for an hour commute to her work and then I would be leaving at seven o'clock to get to work for eight to do like a full day's work leaving at 4 30 so I could go and do the pickup um and then feeding her, uh, cooking and then feeding, and then we'd, we'd wash her and then bedtime. So she'd be going to bed at maybe 7, 8 p.m. Then we'd have cook our food, eat it, and try and get some house jobs done and then collapse. And so this was six weeks and it was it was pretty intense time. And then uh, obviously the pandemic changed everything. And obviously it's been awful uh, for the whole world, this pandemic. But I think one of the good things to come out of it has been just... Uh, um, working from home it's really been a massive change for us it means we get to see each other <laughs> we were a bit like ships in the night before so we get to see each other and we get to see our daughter a lot more often and um, we get to see her grow and develop and we both are there for like bedtime stories and, and, and all of that maybe not 12 bedtime stories we do three <laughs> so we're lucky in that um, but I also had the, the feeling in those six weeks that leaving at 4.30, I was really conscious that it looked like I was just knocking off early. Even though I had been in and I'd, I'd done my time, I still carried that guilt with me. So I, I can definitely identify uh, with that feeling. Um, yeah, so I'm trying to think if there's anything else I wanted to mention about that. Oh, yeah, unfortunately, we don't have family support or kind of around us so we've had to heavily rely on nursery uh, for that but our nursery has been great and also been quite flexible and and good with you know uh, everything that's been going on over the past year so yeah thanks um Evgenia? 
wanted to add to um, Robert was talking about uh, getting inspired by the children. Me and Mouse, we, when uh, we kind of started our journey of parents, used to like sit in the coffee shop and write little kind of comedy ideas, like for comedy moments um, and um, imagining it as a story. And then we ended up writing The Witch and the Baby, which became another short film. <laughs> and uh, um, it's it just finished the festival circles. And actually it did really well. It got like more than 20 words all over the world. It's a shame it's all pandemic, so we can't go to festivals and actually see the reaction of the audience. But it was very well received. It's all, all basically inspired by our daughter, like, you know, all the classical things that kids go through. And um, yeah, we used, and we used that in other stories we've come up with. She's, yeah, certainly been the inspiration for a lot of, a lot of stories, actually. Because, <laughs> yeah, you tend to notice those things go, oh. Yeah. yeah, it's quite funny. Sometimes you sit in the meeting, writing meeting, and uh, you suggest a story, and someone says, "Oh no, kids would never do this," or like something like that. You go, "No, wait a minute. No, my daughter just does it all the time." <laughs> so it's quite funny that actually the writer is really helpful because you see their lives, you see how they change through them, at different age groups, and then you kind of bring it to the table as well. Um, Emma. Um, I just wanted to sort of acknowledge, talk about the parent guilt for a moment because it does that massively feed, sort of feeds into our lives. But then when you add work into the mix as well, it's just, it's really, it's a really difficult balance because we don't do, an, none of us, we're all doing a job that, you know, we talked about earlier being feeling like super responsible for our particular part of what we do and and giving our all uh, to what we do and um, I moved from London to Manchester to set up a new studio um, and when I took that job my son was two and a half and it was full on it was setting up a whole new studio getting everybody in it was absolutely full on and I took the job as a five-day five week and um, I did it for two years. And by the end of the two years, I was so unhappy to my core of just never seeing my son. in the I was like out early, back late, just didn't have enough time with him and made a big decision to make a change. And the time felt right career-wise and for lots and lots of other reasons as well. But just felt like you know I couldn't deal with the guilt of trying you know my balance completely tipped the other the other way and I think this happens a lot in our lives anyway and I think it's important to acknowledge that, that you don't always get it right and I think this sort of unique environment we're currently in with Covid as well um, has tipped it completely the other way which is lovely but when we get back to reality, it's about finding the balance that works for all of us as individuals again. Um, and I made a vow to myself after that job that I would always try and maintain that balance and not feel the guilt. And I think that's where, you know, at the beginning I was like, oh, I'm not apologetic for having a child. And I think that's where it comes from because I know I'm good at my job. I know I give everything I can. I'm very focused in the hours that I do, but I now have a Friday off because since I've had my daughter, who's only two, and I've decided, you know, if I can afford to, I'm not going to work a Friday because I'd like to go to a baby group and have conversations with other mums who have toddlers and just be in that world instead of everything being about like work and then, housework and food shopping and all the other stuff that comes with it of like having a day to just absorb everything about having a toddler which I love so I think you know having been a parent 
for nearly 10 years and worked in this industry and having like a gap in quite a big gap in the middle the balance of you know how you make it work and also like getting it right in your head of where the balance is for you as an individual is super important and never be apologetic for going to a Christmas show or like these are the things nobody ever said I never saw my child uh through those ages because I was really making a really good tv show <laughs> nobody ever said that ever but they do remember if you're sitting in the front row like cheering them on at their Christmas show that's the things that they remember so you know I would just say like always try and tip that balance the way that suits you and never forget it thanks Emma um Jim yeah, I'll just be really quick, but it's something just to follow up on on Rachel's comment because um, I think you mentioned that you know working in a company with kind of two male kind of bosses and perhaps the non understanding of of the parental responsibilities. But I thought it was quite interesting when I was at Nexus and um, one of the kind of people quite high up, um, <coughs> she has she basically runs runs the company, but um, you know she had two children at the time and I um I remember when Iris was born um it was we went through a bit of a tricky patch kind of year two years into it and I was right in the middle of the job and I was having to work from home and I remember her saying well why don't you just get a nanny um and and just realizing actually there are different mentalities of parenthood different mentalities of money as well and and I know some people are very much right well that will deal with my child and then that will free you up to do all the work you want to do. And actually uh, I, I found that I can, not offensive, but I found it very striking that actually my priority was, was my daughter and how I support her. Um, and my work will fit around that rather than, well, just phone up a nanny and get, I, I couldn't even imagine that, but um, yeah, it's interesting that there's also a different aspect that, some people view parenthood as a, a thing to be partitioned up. And I, I was like, no, that's not me. Anyway. Sorry, can I just make a small correction? Um, I think it was Marcia who mentioned her, her boss's... Uh... Oh, sorry, sorry. I, I, there's so many faces and so many parents. Sorry, it's Marcia. I just, I just didn't want to offend either of my bosses oh. <laughs> without mentioning that actually they both have kids and they're really good. Right. Sorry. That's all right. No, don't worry. I just wanted to make that correction. Okay, I'm going to move on. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think we've already talked a lot about this, about the positives of um, having children whilst working in animation, like about the inspiration for stories and um, also about how you've had to become so much more efficient with your time. Uh, I just didn't know if anyone wanted to add anything else on that, if they hadn't had a chance. No? Oh, <laughs> Rachel, your hands. Um, yeah, I would just add it's it's so rewarding to see my daughter watch the work that I've done um, and to see her react to the characters that I've animated or, or directed the performance of and um, to see her laugh and be sometimes be sad and, and, and be happy with the characters. It's really, really rewarding. Also, she's really into drawing. So I don't know what came first, her seeing me draw all day or vice versa, but we love uh, kind of drawing together. So that's so that's that's. Uh, something that's really rewarding um any other positives um yeah I think that's that's a big one and also yeah being definitely being inspired she has really good comedy timing so I do take kind of 
mental notes of um, kind of her actions and I'm sure her, her personality, if it hasn't already, will fe feed into my work um, because it's just, it's gold. Thanks, Rachel. Jim? Oh. Just, just a quick one. I mean, I, without doubt, I think um, being a parent that works in animation compared to all of the other parents that your child kind of is in contact with um, is, is a huge bonus. Um, I do a lot of uh, work with Iris's school. I, in fact, over lockdown, I did a big animation workshop and I am by far the coolest parent uh, in the whole group um, and don't I know it um, but I, I think but also what Rachel was saying about and it was Rachel this time um, about um, about drawing with your child and about them understanding the creative process and being in contact with thinking through things creatively being confident about mark making um, and understanding storytelling I, I love seeing my daughter really really sort of embrace that Okay, so that's great, Jim. Um, yeah, so we're going to move on to the last question, and that's really um, what advice would you give to uh, people who are thinking of starting a family but they're worried about how it's going to impact their career? Who wants to go first? <laughs> um, I think it was Marcy was first. Oh, well, I would say plan it maybe. Um, you need to be, um, I, well, planning in the sense of save up. That's the, the best advice I can, I can give is that save money up and have a pot. Okay, this is going to be either you might have to take uh, time off work. You might not have the parent leave. Uh, you might need to pay for more childcare than you expected. Um, all that kind of thing. So that's one advice I would give. And the other would be to look at the area you're living as well. What nurseries are around or what schools? I mean, that ends up being quite important at some point. And if you're in walking distance to a childminder, that is amazing. Um, and in terms of a career, I think it's uh, be prepared to update yourself. I find that if you keep on learning uh, different programs or keep an eye on what it's current, what, what the studios are hiring to do. Keep, keep yourself up to date as much as you can. So in the meantime, for instance, you could, you could learn a program or you could build up a little bit of your portfolio if you're um, in, the, in, the, in the waiting um, time. That's, that's what I can say. Up update yourself. Keep on doing I don't apprenticeships or little courses or, or things like that. That I found that that helped me a lot doing training and getting a job on a studio because you did that training. That's it's quite an, a, an, a door opening that to to be able to to keep on learning and um, I don't know. I think the pauses are good for you actually. I don't know. It did it did me good to have pauses a couple of times in my career. Um, so, yeah, as long as you, you feel like you can keep on learning and keep on updating yourself, don't, don't be too scared that, oh, my career is going to get into a halt. Um, so, yeah, that's what I can say about it. Great. Evgenia? Uh, yeah, uh, well, I guess I'll confess Miles. Uh, <laughs> All right. uh, I guess the, um, the, the first thing is just to get some to talk to people who have actually had children who you know and 
get some honest advice. You know, I think uh, we, when we were walking around and Kenny had a bump, we just, everyone used to just, <laughs> who would have had children would stop if they were like strange go, oh, your life's going to change. And they just said that. You walk around, people go, oh, your life's going to change. And you're like, what do they mean? What do they, what do they mean? And um, uh, you really need some more specific advice, I think. Because, and I think actually there's a responsibility as storytellers about what childhood is actually like from the parents' point of view. You know, I, I'm watching, like, was it Klaus, the Netflix film? And there's a bit at the end, you know, he's a dad. He puts his kid in the room, closes the night, night, closes the door, and off he walks to go and do whatever he wants to do. You know, that's how, over the years, we're kind of lied to about what childhood's really like. Because, you know, that's not how going to bed works. <laughs> it, you know, it's not, what well, oh, bye, uh, I'll have to do something. You, you know, you prepare for, like, you know, two hours of, like, intense uh, putting something to sleep. Uh, experience so I think get, go and speak to you know brothers or sisters or friends and get like honest information about what it's like in the first six months what it's going to be like for you in, in, in a year and get a just because I think having that a more realistic idea of what parenthood is actually like will make you feel less of a less of a failure going through it you know in yeah, terms absolutely. Of like yeah you, I think also lower your expectations in terms of it's going to be hard and just don't try to be this perfect parent that you saw on tv or in films because they don't exist because the real life is much more complicated than this and uh, some people um it, I think that for me it was the hardest because I didn't have my friends didn't have children when I had Audrey and uh, nobody told me how hard it's going to be I didn't even realize the sleep deprivation is a thing so it how it's how unprepared I was so I think be prepared is very good advice and also um like saving up is a very good idea and yeah taking breaks taking it easy taking your time is, uh, because it's going to change your life and you need to get ready for it and it's it, it's no it's like there is no way of sugarcoating it it's it's hard work but it's uh, it's fun in the same time that's great thank you um emma um, I agree with what everybody's saying. I think that the other thing to remember is working in animation, we have the benefit of much longer contracts. We work on a show for a much longer longer amount of time. So I think that's been helpful. Um, like move if you know if, if you're finishing up on a job and you have a baby or whether you're in the middle, um, is making as much contacts as possible before you go and have your baby. Um, and then, you know, if you have a preparation of or sorry, you're thinking you're going to, you know, have a year off or whatever that is for you, whatever financially and support wise you can make work. I think it's being aware of, you know, the other projects sort of bubble for quite a long time. So if there's something that might be greenlit or there's another show coming up or whatever, it's like having an awareness of what potentially could be in production by the time you come back, like you're ready to come back to work. So I think having those connections of like, I'm going to go off and have a baby, but actually if I go off and have a baby and I'm off for a year, I could slot quite nicely into this production if it gets greenlit in that period of time. So I would, yeah, just remember that our, our contracts, that's a real benefit for animation is that we do have longer contracts in, in our industry. Thanks, Emma. Um, Robert, next. So, I mean, to not uh, rehash what anyone said, because that's all great advice, like obviously plan, save, you know, get solid advice. I, in my experience, I've sort of been the family babysitter since I was about 12 years old. And, like, you know, because, oh, who's, who's watching cartoons all day? Oh, it's Rob. So, yeah, just leave the kids with Rob and we'll go do our own thing. So that sort of became my, my role in life. 
And I thought, oh, yeah, I'm going to have a kid. I've, I've got this. This is, I've, I've taken care of children, many, many other people's babies before. It's going to be fine. I'm a pro. No, absolutely not. The child came and threw an absolute spanner in everything. I'm like, you don't do anything like any other baby I've ever looked after. She, it, it's almost like she had learned my, like, how to get to me personally. She knew the exact moments to cry, where it'd be the motion. She'd wait till I had three things in my hands. It's like, yeah, that's, that's when I'm going to have a tantrum. The nappy should be completely calm. And then suddenly do like a Chun-Li spinning bird kick. Like as soon as I took the nappy off, insane experience. But for a while, I got really sort of like worried. Like, did, what, am I, do I know what I'm doing? So the advice I'd give other parents is don't put too much pressure on yourself to be perfect. Um, like most things in life, it's a marathon. And I was freaking out about, you know, have I ruined my child by... Sleep training, how I learned my childhood by not sleep training. Is it supposed to be? And it's just sort of like, let's just take it every day as it comes and sort of listen to your kid. Um, once you do decide you're going to be a parent, that is, I mean, don't then become a parent and then let it become this over, like this source of stress in your life. Allow your kids to impact you as much as you impact them and learn from each other because this is a unique human being with, you know, ideas and thought, even though they're very small to begin with, they do have a little personality and don't try to impose yours. Just try to sort of like find a way to sort of like have a symbiotic relationship with them. And everything just goes a lot easier. And when it comes to your career, it's the same kind of thing. It's consistency, right? So it's not just because you take one year out because those first two years of a kid's life is sort of, is really, really full on. It doesn't mean your career is over. It doesn't mean like in the long term of, especially when you're working animation, the long term goals of animation are just going to drop off and you're suddenly not going to be able to do anything anymore. And you've lost every opportunity available to you because it's all a training and learning experience. When you come back to working full time, you would know so much more and you'd understand so much more. And you've had all this time for your brain to sort of marinate all these other ideas that you never would have had otherwise so like just don't get too caught up on trying to hit certain milestones at certain points in your life and certain times like by you know, 35 i want to be this and by 40 i want to be no just you know, pace yourself and do the daily thing and enjoy the ride that's what i'd say that's great and then jim yeah well i as, as Robert said, all of this is good advice. I'd kind of almost throw one thing into the mix, which is don't overthink it. Uh, the, the world will adjust. And I, th I know Bex and I kind of got into a massive overthinking thing about children. And then we realized actually there's going to be a point at which um, you, you can't tell what's ahead. You can't tell things like postnatal depression you can't tell uh, a healthy child or a poorly child it, it's the most important thing is you um because everything all boils down to your ability to kind of support your family your child so in some ways it will dictate the the situation will dictate you know the next steps so i would say don't overthink it but, but all of the other advice is also good. Okay, and one more, Marcy. Oh yeah, I was I wanted to take on that as well. Um, 
it, it was a bit hard for us to start a family. So for all the planning we did before, it never worked. So eventually we had a family and you don't know how lucky you are when you can have a family, when you can have your children. So I am all up for that. Enjoy, enjoy your children as well. And I think we're quite lucky as well in the sense that uh, I love reading the stories for them. We are the best storytellers. So we do all the voices and all the actions. And it's ju not just reading a book. It's like acting the book. So that is so enjoyable too. And um, I think in the sense of the be prepared one, I just wanted to mention, I had a deadline once and I was, I think it was in the la my last couple of days. And my son came in and he, it was about two at the time. And he picked up this, this pen and he said, oh, nice pen and he just proceeded to chuck it across the room and just landed and exploded into little pieces and I was like oh my god what happened and I remember crying and my, and my husband said no 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 don't worry don't worry we can order just one and well basically to make a long story short uh I didn't order one I ordered two so that's the kind of preparation you can have because that's the kind of thing the children do. They will probably take your artwork and scribble on top of that. So they will destroy your, your pen when you're about to hit a deadline. So, yeah, it's that kind of thing that you either cry or, or laugh. And at this point, you just end up laughing because that's the kind of thing that happened. My daughter scribbled in Joanna's drawings more than once. And I was mortified and Joanna thought it was hilarious. It was like the best artwork ever. So yeah, just just enjoy enjoy them and just not don't take it too seriously as, as well. I think I think a lot of this is about humor and laughing and enjoying your children. It's not all bad. It's, it's not all sleep deprivation. Uh, it is lots of inspiration there as well. My kids inspire me a lot. I, I think half of the, the work I do now, personal work, it's about making portraits of themselves, being like little monsters, little cave people in lockdown. I, it's just their personalities, just they do whatever. It's, yeah, it's the biggest learning, le learning in life, I think. But it's, it's great. Okay, well, thanks everyone. I think that was really great. You all had like, some really amazing advice and it's really great to hear um, all your experiences. I think, uh, I think it's like Emma said, it's really important we talk about these things because I know there's a lot of women out there, particularly like my, amongst my friendship group anyway, that are like so anxious about these kinds of things and it's because no one's asking about it and no one's talking about it. So... Yeah, I really appreciate you guys coming on the panel today and discussing everything. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. Great. Thank you.